Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Wednesday, February 17th, 2021. And it is time, ladies and gentlemen, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I am one half of your hosting duo. I am joined by the gentleman on the other side of your screen who is shilling for a promotion in the weirdest way imaginable, but only because it's free swag. The conspiracy to my theory, the cue to my anon, the peanut butter to my jelly, the one and only Brian Campbell. Brian, how is that factory town upbringing treating you? Oh, so good, Luke, and so uneducated. You gotta love it, brother. It's Wednesday, it's hump day, it's no J day, all day. Happy birthday, though, to my older sister, Jen, who turns 45, <laughs> and Michael Jordan, I believe, turns uh, something old today, Luke. Hopefully his yellow eyes have, have uh, you know, gone back. That dude home. has been drinking himself into jaundice since he left the Wizards, it seems, or maybe even while he was with the Wizards, I don't even know. But Jesus Christ, my man needs to lay off the bottle a little bit there. He thinks yeah. he thinks he's got liver problems. He's headed towards my territory, BC. Yeah, yeah. And you don't you believe me, you don't want to be there in a Norwich hospital after midnight, okay? Believe me, folks. All right. Uh okay, we got a lot to get to today. So let's see. We have some boxing news with Teofimo Lopez. We have some MMA news with Colby Covington. We got some John Jones stuff going on and a bunch of other stuff in between. So please oh, your submissions. We've got we're bigging back for today, Social Justice Wednesday. So we got a lot going on. We're gonna spin uh, that wheel, Luke. We're gonna we spin the wheel of I, death. Of course, I gotta spin the wheel of death. How could I forget? It's Wednesday. So thumbs up on the video, hit subscribe if you're new here. Uh if you've already subscribed and you're still kind of new here, welcome. This is our Wednesday show. And uh yeah, we got a lot to get to today. So first, showtime.com is the label that pays. If you want to give them a try, you can do a couple of options here. One 30-day free trial if you want to give it a, lo a look. Uh, as you can see, Brian is noting that Bellator will now air exclusively on Showtime. And if you sign up, um, you'll get the first six months for $4.99, I believe, is the deal. I get mine through YouTube TV, so I think I pay full price. Yay. Uh, let's see. If you want some merch, BC, I've actually got merch on today. You can go to store.show.com. Here's the tumbler. This is the glass. Yeah, oh, morning yeah. Time, but It's a little too zoomed in. This lens sucks balls. Uh, as you can see here. And then I got the shirt, the sweatshirt anyway, the Morning Combat sweatshirt, like this. Uh, Very good. My mom, my mom told me this morning that she recently ordered the green T-shirt, Luke, and she wears it to the gym in South in, in North, Northern Florida every week, just hoping and waiting somebody says, I love that show. I told her, keep waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be there for a while, all right? Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, and I think that's it for right now. BC, anything else to plug before we get this show started? Uh, we got some great interviews, as always, Luke. Uh, believe that just publishing today was our fantastic roundtable inside the Bellator cage that you and I con conducted, excuse me, with Steven Espinoza, Showtime Sports President, and Scott Coker, the president of Bellator MMA, which is a very interesting business talk and about the future of the sport. Also, please... Check out our multitude of one-off interviews, Luke. I, I had a nice chat that's going up today with Oscar Valdez, the unbeaten junior uh, lightweight, who, Luke, this Saturday on ESPN, I don't know if, you, if you're aware of this, is fighting Miguel Burchelt for that 130 belt. And mm. this is going to be an all-Mexican war, brother. Also going to be chatting with Curtis Blades later today. So a lot of great stuff in the bonus section of the MK YouTube channel. 
I see that. All right, so plenty to get to. Without further ado, let's get this party started on the five main topics that we have. I really got a four we have for today, and then we'll get to all the other pieces here. First things first, BC. So Dana White comes out talking about John Jones, and what he basically says is, as I pull my notes up here, Dana told TMZ that John would face the winner of Stipe versus Francis, which is tentatively scheduled for next month. Uh, but then Jones tweeted out something like this, quote, been seeing lots of different things in the media lately. I would absolutely love to fight for the UFC again. Really hope we can come up with good financial agreement um, and give the fans a few more great fights. BC, what is your reaction to this seemingly mixed message yeah. between the two parties? Oh, John, I forgot you retired last year. Remember that same week that Henry Cejudo, Conor McGregor, and uh, everyone else retired as well? I forgot about that. Yes. Um, I know he would absolutely love to fight for the UFC again. Luke, that's why he's been in the gym successfully, you know, building up them them traps, them backs, them uh, them thighs, and all that. Look, the, John's going to... backs? <laughs> yeah. All the ba- baby's got backs. We all know that, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. All right, back to the back to the uh, nature at hand here. Um, look, let's make it happen. It makes sense. I, I would have loved a warm up fight, whether that could have been Alexander Volkov or Overeem before the loss, or heck, even Brock Lesnar, which has been thrown around fifty eight times in the past decade. But it would make a lot of sense that the greatest of all time, who gave up his two hundred five strap to finally move up to heavyweight, is going to face the winner of this can't miss, must see rematch between Stipe and Francis. Luke, I love that it gives him the time to move up into the weight successfully. But I also love, even though again I would have liked a tune up fight or a, or a get not a get well, but a welcome fight to heavyweight. It also adds some some cool questions. When he steps in there with either Stipe or Francis, it's automatically going to be a must-see, I-can't-believe-it's-happening fight. But to not really know what John's going to look like with the added muscle, how much his speed advantage and defensive advantages will be there against slower opponents, I mean, this is going to be some high theater. Obviously, that weird cryptic tweet from John is his way of saying, you better pay me for this. I mean, seriously, folks, what else do I have to do? You better pay me for this. And that's going to come down to him, his management, uh, Dana and company at the negotiation table. But uh, uh, are are you for immediate title shot for John or, or, or what? Where do you stand? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if you're talking about the greatest light heavyweight ever, maybe the greatest fighter ever who had long expected to move up, I think a while ago, quite honestly, but whatever, decided to stay at 205 and then does make the move. Uh, do you grant that guy a title shot? Yeah, probably, especially if you've got someone at heavyweight who is ostensibly the most decorated fighter in that weight class in this organization up there at the same time, uh, or the person that beats that person, right? I mean, that sort of makes a lot of sense. I don't think, nothing about that is especially controversial to me, because after Francis gets his title shot, which was the appropriate call, remember, there's a moment in time where we were saying, well, maybe Francis might get leapfrogged again. Um, that's not going to happen, which is the good part. The... I don't think there's any controversy about that. The part that's weird is the the money part here, where he's like, yeah, I'd love to fight for UFC again. And, and by the way, there's, there's another piece there, and have a few more great fights. I don't know how much longer John plans on doing this. I don't think he's going to have another, you know, 10 years. I mean, he may not even have another five. He may not even have another three, depending on the way he's talking here and how much he gets paid. I mean, I think partly that will determine how long he keeps doing it and how long... Um, he keeps doing this also going to be a function of how much he gets paid per fight. Like, you know, is the, is the juice worth the squeeze? 
But, you know, remember, he had these unsettled issues about he wanted Deontay Wilder money, and he thought that if he was going to go up, he was accepting more risk. And if he's accepting more risk, then he needs more money. And that was never really settled, to to my knowledge. I know they had, according to Twitter posts, you know, a, a series of good conversations, and they're in a good place. But it sounds like John wants a little extra money. I don't know what those terms are, but as we've discussed many times on this show, he never was really properly compensated for any of the pay-per-views he did the last 10 years. He made money, but he wasn't paid what he, I think, ultimately deserved or whatever under a more equitable financial arrangement. And so getting uh, uh, the last bit now, BC, this, this one's kind of important, right? If you don't get the last bit of available money when you're going to heavyweight, he says he has no desire to go back to 205. When are you going to get it? This is the time to ex- extract about as much money as you can for the organization who says they're doing better than ever despite the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, he, if any, you're right. If somebody can, should deserve to get paid here for taking this type of move, it, hell yeah, it's John, a proven pay-per-view commodity. And also, let's not forget, like you mentioned, possibly the greatest fighter of all time. There is sort of counter, counter arguments to this, which is, you know, John has has you know off, offered some trouble for the UFC over the years, and, and, and they've certainly done, them and USADA together, have done everything they could to keep him around and keep him active and keep him back in there. Uh, is that me talking or the picograms? You ask yourself. But, uh, yeah, I, I hope he does get paid. I get that the UFC has these hard stances to prevent from having to pay everyone. But good God, can we can we treat our our, our very best, our all time greatest, uh, the way they deserve? I mean, seriously, if Francis Ngannou knocks out Stipe, this would be as dangerous a heavyweight debut as John Jones could ever possibly imagine. Um, you know, c- can we can UFC pull off paying boxing purposes on the regular? Uh, I don't know. It's worthy of a debate. I mean, they're making money hand over fist, it seems, Luke. But uh, at the very least, can can we pay these guys when they get to this level? What you know, what they're going to deserve here. John moving up to heavyweight, you'd have to think is going to be a boom for pay per view sales for stardom in the division. The guy deserves it. Okay, all right. I don't I don't care if he got a call from Boo Boo Wild Thing when he got pulled over that time. That's that's all his personal business. But pay the man his money, Luke. Okay. Yeah, well, I don't care about that at all. But the thing I did notice, I, 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 what, what do you make of how much more do you think he's going to fight? I mean, he says a few more great fights. I mean, that's probably a little on the euphemistic side, but what do you imagine? Two, three more years? It probably comes down to how successful he is immediately. I mean, straight up, Luke, if he he goes in there and gets knocked out by either Stipe or Francis, I could see him not fighting for a while, you know, or or ever again. Uh, But if he goes out there and has the kind of success that I still, to this day, believe he will. Yes, I know, look, Stipe's great, and Francis is the most dangerous fighter on the planet. I'm not discounting those. But I do believe in this day, as I said it last year, said said it forever, his speed, defensive abilities, IQ, toughness, I think it's going to be too much for every single heavyweight. If he starts on a roll, Luke, and he's not losing, and he's not taking damage, uh where's the incentive to walk away? So it's going to be interesting. I tend to think he moved up when I doubt he thinks he can't win. I'm sure he can win, but he moved up to heavyweight when the division, well, I say caught up with him. I don't know that that's accurate, but they made huge strides in closing the gap. I'll put it that point. The difference between John and the early era light heavyweights of his title reign and the one in the end of his title reign in terms of how close they were to beating him significant difference even if they still came up short in the end a significant difference and I tend to think that like here's the interesting part about going up to heavyweight BC I would agree that there's some additional risk there especially in terms of fighting someone like Francis I mean Stipe has big punching power but you know Francis has otherworldly punching power that is a challenge he does not necessarily face 
when he's at 205 pounds. You could have argued maybe Rumble, but he never really faced that, right? So that wasn't really in the cards. So in that sense, going up to heavyweight is more dangerous. On the other hand, I don't know, unless he's really over the hill, we'll have to see. I don't know that going to heavyweight is a tougher fight for him. And I wonder if UFC is sort of making that claim like, dude, 205 is actually a little bit harder than heavyweight on average, individual matchups notwithstanding. Why should you get, a, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll budge a little bit more, but not a ton. I do think he might be up against that as well. It's not quite as hard and as much risk as maybe he might be saying. Luke, if he wins that, and let me ask you this, the whole idea of, of facing Adesanya, which if Adesanya beats Jan Blahowitz and is suddenly a two-division title holder, I can't help but think this conversation is going to get geared up again. Are we more likely to see John Jones versus Adesanya if John Jones wins or loses against the winner of Stipe and Francis? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Because... John losing, especially if it's spectacular, is going to be um, so shattering to everything that we've understood about him for so long. It's hard to assess how badly the damage might affect him. He'll obviously get you know a chance to redo the wrong. Is that what he wants to do? Um, I, I don't think he'd leave the sport. I think he would come back to try and fight again. So I don't, it's not one of those things. But it's like, what is the anticipation of that matchup? Yes, these two guys hate each other, but you kind of want them to see each other while they're still dominant figures. If John has passed it and uh, you know won him and maybe he compounds it with two losses, sort of proves that, or at least proves that up at that weight class, does that make, make people... I mean, it removes obstacles to making the fight happen in a certain way because now heavyweight's not really a viable option. But at the same time, it doesn't increase the market potential and maybe, in fact, undercuts it in a pretty significant way. I, 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 are you, do you have a different sensibility about this one or what? Uh, you know, like let's say he goes up to heavyweight and it goes disastrous. Would he want then to cut back down to 205 and face Adesanya right. to regain his old title? Uh, or how about this? Let's say Adesanya wins the 205 belt and Jones wins the heavyweight belt. Is a heavyweight champion John Jones against Israel Adesanya as the reigning middleweight and light heavyweight champion trying to become the first triple champ. Is that the biggest fight in UFC history? Yeah, that's up there. That's up there. I mean, if, if that's if, if we get that far along, um, that is up there. That is a triple. Again, dude, someone, we, we talk about it like it's, oh, it's impossible. It's not impossible. No. Someone is going to be the first triple champ. I think the likelihood that it's at a weight class situation where they're all 10 pounds apart is the likeliest scenario. Um, and I do think that's real. We'll see what Patricio Pitbull wants to do over in Bellator. But someone's going to do it. And Izzy, if he, I mean, we're putting the cart before the horse here, big time, BC. But if he goes in there and beats Lahovich, and let's say he beats the brakes off of him, which, again, may not happen at all, but let's say for the sake of argument that it does, I think that actually ratchets it up. It's the winning that ratchets it up. It's not the losing, even though the losing in some ways creates fewer obstacles. I think that that is probably the closer of the two scenarios. But I guess we'll have to see. I guess we'll have to see. Ooh. And um, one our, final question. Yes. Percentage chance, if if John Jones becomes your heavyweight champion in 2021, percentage chance that he would fight DC a third time for the belt? Two. Two percent? Get yeah. the hell out of Get the hell out of here, Luke. Two percent. Two percent. I'm saying I'm saying it's a lot more than that, brother. Like, okay. like the milk you drink. Two percent. Okay. Uh <laughs> 
Like the all milk right. they served in the factories when I was small. Yes. Yeah, okay. 1%. Uh, all right. Topic number two. So there was a, uh, a... This is why, dude, you can't... I'm not telling you when Dana White talks, it's automatically wrong. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, a lot of times it will be right. But this is always why you need to wait to see if he makes a pronouncement about things they're working on. Or even if he declares it, it needs to be double-checked. Because you simply cannot rely on him as a single authority about the source of things, despite his elevated position in the sport. So he says they're working on Colby versus Leon Edwards as, as, as if like they had made traction with that. And I suppose they still might, they might just lean on Colby to make the whole thing happen. Who knows? But Colby did an interview, Colby Covington talking about Leon Edwards, did an interview with the boys over at submission radio out of Australia shouts to them. And in the interview, he says, I don't have even the slightest desire to fight this guy. He's fought bums talking about Leon Edwards. He's fought bums. He uh, has been out for two years. He's a nobody. There's no chance. I'm, and I think the words he used were, I'm like doing this guy a favor. No way am I doing that. In fact, if you watch the entire interview, BC, the overwhelming majority of it is based on the rivalry, certainly the first parts of the interview, about Jorge Masvidal, about Kamaru Usman. He wants the title shot. If not, he's happy to do the ultimate fighter with Jorge Masvidal. He even says he had signed the contract for that. How true is that? I don't know. Okay, BC. Unwrap this a little bit. Colby doesn't want to fight Leon. So what do you make of the situation? And now what does the UFC do if, in fact, Colby remains this intransigent? Uh, well, look, I think this is a smart public move. We talk a lot about public negotiation, which happens much more in boxing. But, you know, look, from that John cryptic tweet that we just talked about, it does happen in MMA, too. I think it's a smart move because uh, Usman beating Burns as dominantly as he did and staying with the belt here. And they're not being an obvious name of a challenger left who he hasn't faced. And I want to dead wrong myself right now, Luke, from Monday show. I completely forgot that Kamaru had already fought Leon Edwards, although it came back in like 2015 when both were not uh, household names even within the house of UFC. Um, so, you know, that leaves really Stephen Thompson, who's injured as the only guy in that ranking system that has not faced Kamaru. So this is smart by Colby because let's let's talk about the reality of Leon Edwards. He's the perfect fight for Hamzat Chemaev, who's looking to come out and really proof right now that he's legit and he's the next big thing. This is not a, a fight that does a ton for Colby. In fact, it's a potential trap fight because up to this point, that's what Leon Edwards has presented himself as, a, a less marketable guy who's really tough to beat. Colby is in play right now for the two things you mentioned, the two biggest money opportunities available to him, a rematch with uh, Camaro or a fight with uh, Jorge after an ultimate fighter build, or maybe an ultimate fighter build with Kamaru to get the, the rematch. And what he also have is in his favor, Luke, along with um, sharing the same political principles of one Dana White is the fact that every time Dana's had a microphone in front of him in the past two weeks, leading into the Usman Burns fight, he cannot stop telling people how great the Usman Covington fight was and how it's on his short list of greatest fights in UFC history because both guys, as we remember, didn't go for takedowns. They stood and traded until one fell and couldn't get up, right? I mean, it was an absolute war. There is some money in the bank here for Colby with the boss, and this was sort of the right move to go, why Why would I fight Leon? This means nothing to me. Um, 
So it's interesting. How do they fix this? I don't know. The little update we do have from Brett Okamoto this morning on Hamzat Chemaev is they're flying him, the UFC, to Vegas to get checked out by their doctors and get treatment there. And, you know, they're hoping, Luke, that Chemaev can come back in June. Well, that doesn't fix the Leon Edwards situation right away. Luke, I don't know who Leon Edwards should face. I don't have that answer. I got no freaking idea. The guy's been in, as Mike Tyson would say, he's been in Bolivian for a long time. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to do here. But if you're Colby you might end up being forced to face Leon if Masvidal gets the Usman fight. But until that is decided publicly, I, I actually support Colby in this gesture. Well, you know, what am I going to gain from fighting Leon? Nothing. Yeah, this is the interesting part about Jorge Masvidal. There is a way for him to hurt himself, but not irreparably, and to hurt Colby a lot more in the process. What do I mean? It's in his interest, if you just look at it from a macro perspective, BC, to say, if I'm Jorge Masvidal, what are my choices here? I might get a title shot with Kumaru, but I don't know what the UFC is going to do with that yet. If that's not in play, another option is to get a fight with um, Leon Edwards, and then another option is to get a fight with Colby. But I can make my chances of getting the Kumaru fight a lot better. Why? Because I'll just deny the ultimate fighter opportunity. They're not going to make me do the Leon Edwards one. Uh, because they've already attached Colby with that name. If I say no to the Ultimate Fighter, Colby doesn't really have a lot of choices. He might have gotten the last win with the win over Tyron Woodley, but the first thing that Kamaru Usman does when talking about his rivals is talk about Jorge Masvidal. He didn't really talk about Colby. He's put that energy out there already. So if I'm Jorge, if I have to take the Ultimate Fighter, you know, the winner of that fight gets a title shot and blah, 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 that's, that's a good option. But you might be able to fast track it if you're Jorge to just say, you know what, I'm not taking the ultimate fighter, which now makes Colby's options either Leon Edwards or bust, and then I get a chance to get closer to Kamaru the entire time. It's a little bit of a risk because you never know how things could go awry, and then he might end up fighting Kamzat Shemaev in June, in which case the whole shit is, is, is a, a disaster. But there is a way, if he's careful with it, and he puts plants some seeds in some other directions, to just jump right back into the title fight and force Colby to fight Leon. Yeah, uh, I don't know where Leon goes. I mean, Leon sits, told Ariel that he he definitely wants to stay on that March sixteenth card. And but who do you put him in against, Luke? For for Leon, who has no leverage in the situation, although he's you know he's been active and ready. His fights just keep falling apart. I mean, what would Leon gain from fighting a Vicente Luque or even fighting a Wonder Boy? He's going to gain nothing, Luke. I mean, I think it's tough that the best advice I can offer Leon and Colby is to try not to fight each other because Dude, neither is, can really... This is not hard. I, I, people make this out to be hard. It's not hard. Here is what you do for Leon Edwards. Okay, now he has to be accepting of this risk. All right, so you know, it takes two to tango. But if I'm Leon Edwards and I'm his team, I go to UFC and I say, look, we got to get this guy out here. We just have to, we, we cannot let him not fight anymore. If you're happy with him being on the card on the 16th, we're happy. Just get us somebody who's a welterweight, who's UFC level. Why not just give him a tune-up fight? The guy has been out since, what, 2019, 2018, whatever it's been at this point, when he fought Dos Anjos in San Antonio a lifetime ago. I mean, just get him back out there. Have him Put him on the prelim card if you want. I mean, put him on the main card. You've got other good spots around there. This is a perfect fight. This is what it reminds me of, BC. It reminds me of the time when uh, Habib was out for a long time, was supposed to fight Tony. Tony fell out the last minute, and Habib ended up fighting... Um, Daryl uh, Horcher. What's the dude's face? Um, Daryl Horcher, Luke. Daryl Horcher. What it ended up doing for Habib was, yeah, Horcher was totally overmatched. But UFC doesn't, as a policy, 
do tune-up fights. But by hook or by crook, they can find ways to make it happen. Who is more deserving after all this time off, given his position and given... To your point, BC, I think you're right. You don't even have a better option at this well, point. If the Colby thing is off the table, give the guy a fucking tune-up fight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And very similar to the Horcher situation, let's not forget that uh, TJ Dillashaw got Joe Soto that time just to keep it going. And also uh, Daniel Cormier got that barista, Patrick Cummings, that time. Just, you know, the same point. But here's how you fix it. There's There's a platinum parent who's already tweeted out. If no one wants to do it, I'll fight Leon. Is that is that the is that the stay busy fight you're looking for? Because as a fight night main event, Leon Edwards, Mike Perry, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of here for that, Luke. Sure, I'm I think that's I think that's okay. If I, again, if I'm in his team and the goal is to really stay on that March 16th date, and they come back to you with Mike Perry, I think you take that fight. I do think you take okay. that fight. But I'm just pointing out, you don't have to change your rules about we don't do tune ups. Okay, you don't do tune ups as a matter of rule. But every once in a while, you get an elite fighter. You don't have a better option. It's short notice. Just give the guy somebody who's a good fighter, and let's see what happens. I think it'll be all right. I think the world won't end. You know, it's, it's knowing a good the idea. UFC. Knowing the UFC, we're going to see uh, Leon Edwards versus Cowboy Cerrone and any minute now, Luke. Okay, they already fought. They already fought. Yeah, Leon beat his ass too. I know that. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, topic number three. Let's get to your favorite sport, BC. The one that's filled with bureaucracy until the end of days. Canelo Alvarez says he wants to get ready for this. Uh, he said he wants to fight four times this year. He wants to fight six or seven more years. What is he, 30 BC, something like that? Yes, yes. Uh, his trainer has forbidden him from fighting again at 175, so I guess that means no Baterbia fight, for, quote, giving away too many advantages. What do you make about Canelo Alvarez saying he wants to fight every quarter for basically uh, – almost the entirety of the 2020s. Look, I never expected Morning Combat or my previous podcast, State of Combat, to be a a home of puffing up Canelo Alvarez. He doesn't need any puffing up, right? He's the biggest star in the sport. He's the richest star. He's the biggest draw. All that stuff. He's a insanely decorated champion. And it's not that I've never pointed out the, the rare fails, the rare misses. There's a few of them, Luke, right? Remember that time the tainted beef? That was a miss. Remember that time... Archie Solis was messing with Canelo's girl and he knocked out his teeth on the Guadalajara sidewalk and the police covered it up. I remember that, Saul. That was a miss. Oh, yeah. Remember the time he got his wife's eyes tattooed on his forearm, Luke? That was a pretty freaking big miss there, too. Everything else, though, he's pretty much awesome. What else would you want from the biggest star in the sport who goes out of his way to take on tough challenges and, oh, by the way, fresh off a quarantine year, in which barely anybody fought once, let alone twice, is willing to fight four times this year. If you're not aware, a week from a week and a half from now, he's going to fight Yildirim in the mandatory fight inside Dolphin Stadium, wherever the hell you call it, Miami. He's going to try to fight Billy Joe Saunders in May, which would be important unification. And then in the fall, Luke, Gennady Golovkin's in play, maybe a David Benavides, maybe a Caleb Plant. I mean, there's some fun options. And then he said, I want to come back in December on top of that. His goal is to unify all four belts. 
I'm here to tell you, Morning Combat has become a praise Saul channel. It has, because this guy's doing what the sport actually needs, and I'm also not mad at him or his trainer and co-manager, Eddie uh, Reynoso, for saying, look, we feel like light heavyweight is a bridge too far. Yes, we went up there and cherry-picked against an old Sergey Kovalev, although I hate saying cherry-pick. Was Kovalev old and past his prime, Luke? Yes. But he also had the power to knock Canelo out at any time. And, oh, by the way, Kovalev was kind of almost winning that fight at the time of the stoppage in, mm -hmm. like, round seven. So it was quasi-competitive. I, I didn't like Kovalev's style. He boxed instead of fighting, but whatever. I, I don't hate them for saying those guys are too big. He says 168's my weight class. He's trying to get all the belts. There's still going to be monster fights against Jamal Charlo, guys like that down the road. Um, yeah, thank you, Saul. Thank you for doing what the sport needs. Look, he's also a free agent, right? He's got a two-fight deal with Eddie Hearn now, but he's willing to go to any network to make the biggest fights possible. Uh, can we build a statue for him already in this broken sport, please, Luke? Yeah, I mean, this is the reality. If you get a guy like Canelo Alvarez who's willing to do the kinds of things he want, is willing to do to accept risk in the way that he is accepting risk and frequency and everything else. This is everything he is incentivized in many ways not to do, and he is still yet taking that path, at least short-term uh, you know, uh, interest, not long-term. He's, he's paying much more attention to the long-term interests. Okay, but it's more than that, BC, and this is like the good and the bad of what he's doing. Now, to your point, I have nothing but praise for him. When I say bad, I don't mean his bad. What I mean to say is when you're telling us you want to fight, I mean, let's just do the math, four times a year, at least six years, you know, that's 24 more times. That's probably an exaggeration, but still, he wants to be doing this at a high level across multiple weight classes. Okay, maybe 175 is a bridge too far, which I would probably agree with. But the point is this. It tells me he doesn't really have rivals. The game is the rival. The ultimate greatness is the challenge that is really pushing him. It's not any one individual fighter out there. He doesn't have somebody who can really say that is the guy that keeps me up at night. I don't think he has it. He takes his opponent seriously and he trains hard. But what he's trying to do is look far beyond that about ultimate greatness. And I got to pick off all the pieces along the way, whether it's 160, 168 or whatever it may be to get there. I admire that. That's great. And I look forward to his competitive schedule. Don't misunderstand me. It'd be awesome if he fought on Showtime because we'd probably get to go cover that. Wouldn't that be great, BC? I know it is. We've discussed it in person a, a number of times. But I do lament just a little bit, just a little bit, BC. And I think you can give me a little bit of room here. As, as good as, as the news of this is, it's not as exciting as knowing, and I'm sorry, Triple G ain't that guy. He's got somebody out there who just is the boogeyman to him that he we, we, we don't know if he can overcome that. It doesn't really exist. It might look, it might be Jamal Charlo at the end of the day. I know he's at 160 right now, but he look, he's a complete fighter and he has a certain element that we don't see Canelo fight off in, which is foot speed on top of everything else. That's why I like Caleb Plant in this matchup, even though I know Caleb Plant did not you know, sizzle against Caleb Truax. But I like the plant fight. I like the Benavidez fight, who's big and will brawl. There's some decent challenges out there. No, there's, no, no. no. Some... Let, me, let me just clarify. I'll put right back to you. Just clarify. There's plenty of very good fights. But, there, I mean, tell me who you think is the guy to beat Canelo. I, I well, can't find him right now. I hear you on that. He's also number one pound for pound for a reason, right? Maybe because of that. But I just want to say this about when you are in this position, when you are the face of a sport... Um, membership has its privileges, right? You get to call the shots, which a lot of these guys do when they get to this point, whether it was Oscar or Floyd or whatever. 
But there's also, I believe, a responsibility. And this is why I just set up, set up and praise Canelo. I think there's a responsibility when you're at this level, when you can call the shots, when you have all the leverage to do exactly what Canelo is actually doing, which is trying to take some chances, which is staying busy, which is being willing to fight anyone. I want to say this about Floyd Mayweather, because his time at the top of the sport, and you know, he was at the top of Showtime, right? He was the face of Showtime, the face of boxing. You know, there were times Floyd ended up fighting everyone you wanted to for the most part. But Luke, you remember that stretch when it was selective, hand-picked matchmaking. I'm going to fight this guy on this terms at this time and all that. And there were times that we rightfully, I think, said as critics and columnists, is he taking advantage of the sport? And what I mean by that is he's sort of picking where he wants and everyone else, instead of fighting each other, we're all trying to just get in line to get a chance at their one big payday to lose against him. You could argue that he did great things for the sport because he, twice a year he brought giant attention to big pay-per-views, but you can also argue, Luke, that that took away from the sport for other reasons as well because it didn't. it wasn't so much about competition anymore. It was all about business. All I'm saying is what Canelo's done so far, once he got to this spot, once he took that baton from Floyd, this is what I want out of my stars, right? This is what I want. Because boxing, you have way more leverage than you do in something like the UFC. Yeah, Conor got to a point in 2016 of leverage that no fighter had ever known. But even at that point, he still had bosses, Luke. You know what I'm saying? In boxing, you get to this level, you're like a god. Canelo could be like, screw you guys. I'm going to fight smaller guys with no chance the rest of my career. No, he's not doing that, Luke. No, but here's what's interesting. Because of the way the weight classes are structured in MMA versus boxing, part of the idea, and we could be wrong, we could be right about this, nobody really knows, but at least there is some thinking to the idea that if John Jones goes to heavyweight, again, all this remains to be seen, but some believe that he'll finally encounter more difficult uh, opposition by virtue of how much bigger they are and how much harder they hit and blah, 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 blah. That is at least one theory about how the things go. Canelo's in a weird position where, A, the weight classes are f- closer together, obviously, you know, 160, 168, blah, blah, blah. But um, he is actually fighting outside of his weight class and yet still cutting off that one weight class where you are pretty sure guys could maybe give him a real run for his money at right. 175, like, you know, Baterbiev, right? But here's the thing about it it's like, dude, that is such a high jump. You can't knock him for it. You know, it's just that the, in MMA, those are the jumps. So either you're going to do it or you're not. It's a, it's a, it's a situation where I'm going to put in quotations Canelo benefits from. But to your point, and I hope everyone understands this, this dude is routinely, routinely fighting and in many cases stopping people significantly bigger than him. And he's doing it with both skill and then power that translates up. But there and are some differences be fair. between the sport and MMA. And just to be fair, the last few years when Floyd was just absolutely dominating any welterweight or junior middleweight he was in against, and you know, you could, there was not a guy on the planet who you could pick that would beat Floyd, right? Once he beat Manny and all that, even well, though he was you mean, old. We mean what? You mean up to what? One fifty? No, no, yeah, one forty-seven and one fifty-four. He's just destroying yeah. these guys. I was the guy who was writing the column saying, "Hey, Floyd." You're so great, it's almost your responsibility to find out your limit of greatness. Move up to middleweight at this point and go for it, right? Even if it's against a smaller middleweight. And he never did it. And I get that that's the same argument against Canelo. So let me tell you this in all my Canelo love here. If Canelo unifies all four titles at 168, Luke, and has as easy a time as he's been having, if if Jamal Charlo doesn't turn out to be his boogeyman that could either beat him or give him a really tough fight, yes, at that point... I think you and I will be saying that same thing. 
let's try 75 again, bro, because there's no one that can touch you. I think the problem here, and as much as I love Baturbiev, is he's just not marketable enough right now, right? If we had no, like an not. Andre Ward or somebody with a more of a name and, and maybe a little bit less danger, it would be easier. But let's let Saul get through 68 first, which does have some fun names, and then I'll be willing to, to criticize him as well as anybody to say, bro, it's too easy. Go up higher. Uh, last thing on this, you kind of mentioned it, but this is the one that gets kind of interesting. I don't know if he'll go to 175 for uh, Baterbiev, to your point, because he's tough as shit and also just a guy who insiders know and outsiders don't. It's a really, I don't think, I, I, don't, I don't know. If you don't need that fight and you're already going up in weight, do you really need to go take that risk? But the one name you did mention this guy is kind of like boxing's GSP a little bit. Yes. A Andre Ward. Andre Ward is – you like that analogy a little bit? Again, there's totally perfect. a million perfect. differences. But he's got that thing out there. It's always like, what if Andre Ward comes back? Could could Canelo beat him? I, I, think, I think Canelo would take that fight. I think he would too, and that's a great freaking fight. And I'm not trying to tell you that Andre Ward is so much more marketable than a Baturbiev. He's not, but he's also, to your point about the GSP correlation – I mean, he's a guy who took long stretches of time off in his career, either for court battles with his uh, promoter or just basically going, I don't see any challenges. I'm going to sit out a while. And Luke, every time he came back, including the two fights with Kovalev, I mean, he figured things out, right? Those Kovalev wins were almost like GSP, you know, fighting Bisping in a lot of ways. So even though Ward's been retired for a bunch of years, and even though he's in his late 30s, I feel like every interview I hear of him, I hear the itch in his voice. You know what I mean? I hear it, Luke. If that's a big ass fight, I would. I mean, I would. If they did that light heavy, look, I would love the shit out of Canelo and Andre yeah. Ward. You talk about yeah. pound for pound. I mean, that is a, incredible. I got to tell you, I, that's one fight out there. And again, you know what? Last thing on this, and we'll move along. I don't want to lose sight of this. I'm with you on Charlo at 160. I don't know if that fight is the right one right now, but based on what he showed when we were there for his doubleheader, and also. You know, he's the much bigger of the two of his brothers. I actually think he's like significantly bigger. I think he could make 168 and fill out into it. Oh, yeah. And be very competitive up there. It's just, it's a little too early right now. That's all I would say. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, all right. Takes us now to Teofimo Lopez, who is just an absolute barn burner of an interview and a, a talent. So he was on the ESPN broadcast on Saturday, BC, and he said, quote, I'm looking forward and I'm moving forward talking about what's next for him. We'll, we'll get to in just a second. If top rank can't meet the terms, I'm taking my talents somewhere else. We paid our dues. I am your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. That sets the tone, and I think everybody else needs to realize that I am the truth. I am the best in this division. And, of course, he says he's going to stay at 135 for now, and we'll be watching closely to see who wins uh, Jose Ramirez versus Josh Taylor. But, of course, we're talking about the situation where he has a mandatory. Top rank is on the cheap. And uh, his talents, as a consequence, for the next fight, for that mandatory, could essentially end up on any other network. Now he has responded, BC. What do you make of Teofimo Lopez's response to, what do you want to call it? I won't say bad faith by top rank, but being a little bit cheap. Yeah, this is going to be very interesting. We, as we talked about last week, uh, quickly ahead of this, about how that purse bid's coming up February 18th for that George Cambosos Jr. Uh, mandatory fight. It's an okay fight. Obviously not, not great. Not going to move you, although Cambosos is unbeaten, kind of hungry and all that. But uh, this is interesting because what I had teased when we broke that down, Luke, was 
let's not forget when you don't take care of your stars and you don't get them what they feel they want and deserve. And obviously there's always, whether it's even Dana versus Connor, there's always going to be a, a negotiation, right? There's always going to be a middle ground. Um, but let's not forget Oscar and Floyd both got to certain levels of fame under Bob Arum and top rank and basically said, I feel like I could make more. I deserve more. I'm going to go on my own. Oscar started his own damn company. Floyd got Al Heyman to get him out of the deal, and they became, you know, a, a fighter for hire. Um, could this be Teo's future? I think this is the right quote in the public statement to make. Oh, by the way, I'm the top rank on ESPN broadcast, Luke, because he was ringside to watch Richard Comey in that main event, the guy who he knocked out a year ago. Um, the, that, the specific terms in there. If Top Rank cannot meet the terms, I'm taking my talent somewhere else. Now, obviously, you can't just get out of your promotional deal, Luke, without a legal battle or, in Floyd's case, some sort of monster buyout. It all depends on the language. And I don't think Bob Ehrman Company are any 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 position now to try to let that happen. But this is an interesting power play from a guy who, uh, in the extended quotes of this same interview, Luke, basically said, I already took the risk. I fought the best guy in the world, Lomachenko, at a time that wasn't advantageous for me, and I went in there and beat him. And you know, and and so I've earned the right now to kind of sit down on this and call my own shots. Um, I don't know where this standoff is headed. Hopefully, a middle ground between them, Luke, where they can agree on the price. But this is one of those times where you got a you know loudmouth fighter wanting more money. Where I kind of go. I kind of agree with him here, Luke. Okay. I mean, he's done the, like to become a star. It's one thing to talk, but you don't really become a star until you win the big fights and you beat the big ones and you win the fights that maybe you shouldn't win. He just did that. So I don't, I don't hate this idea that pay me what I'm worth. And by the way, you you mentioned that footnote there, Uh, Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez, both are unbeaten. They're going to be fighting sometime this spring for all four titles at 140. They both fight under the top ranked banner. Uh, to have Teofimo say, I'm watching that fight closely to maybe fight the winner for all four belts. Luke, he just unified all four belts kind of at lightweight, right? Remember the whole WBC bullshit. If he moved up next and did that at 140 and fought the winner of that, I mean, this is a guy who's telling you, I am ready to dare to be great. Eventually, I am going to end up at welterweight. I'm not afraid of Terrence Crawford and all those guys, right? I'm only 23. I'm just growing. If I'm Bob and company, and I don't know the financial specifics, but... I take care of this kid because, Luke, have you seen I anything totally up agree. to this point, anything up to this point that tells you he's not the next Oscar or Floyd? Now, look, that's a bold freaking statement. There's a lot of people that look like the next Oscar and Floyd and they flamed out. But right now, all the money is on his side of the table. He's got all, you know what I'm saying, Luke? Like, this guy's a stud right now. Take care of the kid. Yeah, and, and again... On this show, and not because BC and I coordinated, but because we have the same worldview about boxing in the following way, we are always going to give much more favorable coverage, just not 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 out of spite, just by the way the way we are as people, to the boxers who go out there and willingly accept tough challenge and risk, and sometimes not the most favorable treatment from their promoter. To, ch- to chase greatness. Now, obviously, Canelo is going to have the wind at his back promotionally, but a guy like Teofimo Lopez, you know, it, it was a big question about how good he was, and Top Rank believed in him, of course. They signed him, but, you know, against Lomachenko, who knows, and blah, blah, blah. There's just a lot where you could be maybe not sidelined, but not get as much love as, as another person in your, uh, in your stable. Anyway, neither here nor there. The point being is this. This is a guy that they absolutely need to push and push right now. It reminds me a little bit of McGregor... You know, um, 
McGregor had achieved peak popularity by the time he fought Aldo. So this guy already fought his version of Aldo, but hasn't reached peak popularity. But that's all the more reason to keep him active, keep him out there. I really believe, and I, I, I can't be clear about this. I think Teofimo Lopez is one of the most talented boxers we have out today. Not that he's a complete product, but as I've said before, I said it to Brian, dude, there are guys when they box, man, they just jump off the screen. They are doing things very, very differently. Teofimo Lopez has extremely high fight IQ. He is a A-plus level athlete. He's 23 and he wants tough challenges. Uh, he has a Latino background. He is an American kid from Brooklyn. Dude, what more do you fucking want out of this guy? He is a born winner. It is time to get behind him as best you can. I know he's asking for more money than top rank wants. I get it. This is the guy. PBC, this is the guy you make exceptions to. Not yes. the other jerks. <laughs> this guy. Yes. And look, boxing is such a wild, wild west open market, Luke, that... You know, every fighter wants to be the next Floyd and control every, you know, have leverage in every situation. But the, again, there are some guys that just show you that specialness that they might be worth it. Okay. They might be worth it. Let's not repeat the sins of the past. Let's take care of this kid. Uh, and then lastly, it's all, we'll just put it together inside of the boxing conversation, BC. This is one as I always see this dude's name pop up as like tough challenge for next big thing. So Devin Haney is set to fight dot, dot, dot. Uh, apparently, or at least there's talks for Jorge Linares, uh, April 17th. Um, and this comes to us from the athletics, Mike Coppinger, BC, Jorge Linares, always a tough out. Not, not necessarily a whole lot more anymore, huh? Yeah. Look, he's been the bridesmaid a lot, although he's won titles in two different divisions. Uh, you know, he's a pretty boy. He's a beautiful boxer. I mean, a beautiful man and a beautiful boxer. But you want to remember how good this guy is. I mean, go watch the, the fight he had against Lomachenko. He dropped Lomachenko. He he was in that fight before being stopped late, Luke. Um, he is a tough ass out. Don't don't forget, before Ryan Garcia fought Luke Campbell, which was originally supposed to take place in December, took place in January instead. Originally, it was supposed to be Linares that they were talking about, who fights for Golden Boy. This is the perfect next step for Devin Haney. Look, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Again, Devin Haney's in that group. The, the new four kings at lightweight, the new five kings, whatever you want to say with Shakur Stevenson. He has been, though, Luke, let's be honest, the least flashy of late. You know, the, the Gamboa win, the recent performances before that, they've been a little bit flat. Like, in fact... When he fought on, on Showbox a, a while, you know, a couple of years ago, he was much more, maybe it's a different level of matchmaking. Now he's moving up higher, but it was much more sensational. But don't let that fool you. Devin Haney's been playing it a little safe, Luke, but he has the goods, dude. He's, I mean, he's like 21. He's got everything across the board. All the boxes tick in terms of his ability and what he's showing you. But you got to prove it against the elite. Linares is that old school, still quick despite in his mid-30s, crafty veteran who fights a fun style, who will put the pressure on you. He will make Haney show us how good he is. Make this fight to zone. Please make it. Thank you. That's yeah, I mean, he went dating all the way back to what was the fight where he fought on the, the, the Paul brother card? Paul brother fought yes. KSI. And it, was that the Alfredo Santiago fight? Uh, I got to look up on the uh, old box rec page, Luke, but he's looked flat twice in a row. Dominant, but flat, right? Yeah, was that that's the fight at Staples. Yeah, Center. I mean, yeah. yeah, exactly. He looked fine in that fight, but like nothing special. And then he followed up with the Gamboa win. Gamboa was super washed at that point. And, you know, obviously Haney put it on him. And he's 21, dude. I mean, 
to your point, some of this criticism is really kind of silly because we don't really know exactly how good he's going to get, and there's plenty of reason to believe that he has gotten good. I actually like this fight for Haney. It's not the one that I think should necessarily be next, but I'll tell you why I like it, because Linares has, correct me if I'm wrong, BC, but from what I've seen on the tape, um, good firepower. Um, I don't know how good his chin is anymore because people have laid into him a little bit. But he's His chin's certainly... always been, it's always been a little little flashy on the elite level, a little flashy. Yeah. Uh, okay, but fine. Uh, it cr- could create for excitement, um, and he's certainly faced very credential, tough opposition. Um, so to me, I actually kind of like it because you have a guy with big firepower who I think, by the way, has fought higher than this weight class before too. If I'm not mistaken, although I could be wrong about that as well. But yeah, Lenars tried to he moved up to 140. Luke, he got sent to hell by Pablo yeah. Cesar Cano. It was a bad experiment. He's back down to lightweight where he deserves to be. In, in any case, credentialed, battle-tested opposition who is known for having some decent firepower and can make things interesting. For a 21-year-old guy who's not looking for a win in any capacity, but, you know, a statement maybe, this is a great opportunity. Plus, look, you know, how many weeks do we go on here, or me, just going, oh, my God, Teofimo's next, Gervonta's next, Shakur's next, Ryan Garcia's next. Oh, Devin Haney is probably going to be next, but he hasn't looked flashy of late. This is the fight to come out and show every tool you freaking have, Luke, okay? Show me your toolbox, brother. Uh, All right. By the way, as a reminder to everyone, the Champions League is back. And if you're a soccer fan, you should be listening to K Golasso, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. You can join the team for two episodes a day, including daily previews and recaps of all the Champions League and Europa knockout stage action. You can find K Golasso. That's Q-U-E, by the way. K Golasso on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to this podcast. Don't wait to download and subscribe and make Que Golasso your ultimate audio destination for soccer and Champions League coverage. Luke, uh, BC, who's your Champions League team? <laughs> what? Uh, Luke, what? Are, did they say two episodes a day? Uh, the day is daily, two times a day. Daily. Two two times a day. Good God. Shout out to Kay Galazzo. What does Kay Galazzo stand for? Is that like a is that like a like you dip the chip in like the yellow sticky stuff? Like it's not salsa. Nachos but it's like, and cheese? No, it does not stand for nachos and cheese. Uh Kay Golazzo, what a goal. Golazzo is like a really nice goal, that's what they say. Like if it's like super slick and uh or you know, kind of awesome. And then K it just means what, but what they're saying is like what a goal. Kay Golazzo. Okay. So how do you say uh, what a booty in in Latino, Luke? <laughs> que, que culo. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, Which, I by the way, the... I say about 50,000 times a day in my head uh, yes. based on what yeah. I'm looking at on Instagram. <laughs> so gross. All right. Hey, Luke, want to get into a little SJW? What do you think let's, here? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Some Wednesdays we do this. We take a uh, a recap of the latest beefs and debates between fighters on the old social web. Sometimes we bring in uh, the... His his highness, uh, Doctor. Sorry, uh, what do we call you? Uh, Ruth. Uh, no, Luke, Luke Bader Ginsburg. Yeah, right? the honorable, the dishonorable Luke Bader Ginsburg <laughs> sliding in. The dishonorable is the key there. That's the key. Yes. All right. Hey, uh, Usman and Masvidal, as we know, have a little rivalry going. So let's check out this little thing here on the old interwebs. Can we go to it, Manich? Manich. 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 
All right, Jorge Masvidal quote tweeted the MMA Junkie article, which stated that uh, that Kamaru said I'm going to put him in a coffin this time. And Jorge said, game plan to putting me in a coffin hug and toast stomp. Who is this guy fooling? He knows the resurrection. He knows? Is that a Hawani reference? What the hell is that? All right. I I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, Well, Usman saw that, Luke, and he responded. Okay. I'm feeling generous. Okay. Okay. And then he followed it up. Big boy business being done with the boss man. And he and Usman tweeted out a picture of him with manager of the stars, Ali Abdelaziz, and Dana White, presumably inside the UFC uh, offices. So then we got a follow-up from Masvidal to this, and he said, You feeling generous, and I'm feeling gooned out. I'm taking everything. What's yours is mine. Hashtag super necessary. Uh, Luke, this didn't move me as much, but it's continuing. It's moving the the yard markers in their little war words and rivalry. Does this make you feel like Dana, Ali, and Usman were talking about Jorge in that meeting? Had to be. Had to be. They got to figure out, because they know at this point, We've said it before. I don't know how popular Kamar Usman can be, but it feels like the last fight, at least for insiders, was the one where... Because he was fighting two battles, right? One was mainstream visibility, which is still an ongoing battle. And two was, you know, respect from insiders. He had it from, like, the insider insider. But this time, by beating Gilbert Burns and doing it the way he did, especially coming back from adversity and showing some new tricks with his jab and everything else... You're like, dude, you got to give the guys credit. So now the trick is building on someone who might just be better than every other 170. How do you do that? I guess I guarantee you they were talking pay update. They were talking schedule. They were talking who's who. There's no doubt they were getting down to business on all of that. The question is, how bad do they want that Jorge Masvidal fight versus what they want for the ultimate fighter? Man, fuck the ultimate fighter, dude. Seriously? Like, think about how much easier this would be if it wasn't like we didn't have to worry about this shit. But we do. So what are you going to do? Luke Masvidal was once, you know, especially in that incredible fighter of the year run he had in 2019 where he stole MMA and and even casual fight fans' hearts. He was one of the best trash talkers of the sport for a season. Do you feel like his trash talk game has fizzled out ever since he went so pro-Trump or has your appreciation of his trash talk game done that because of your differences in political opinions? Well, I don't really read his tweets, so I don't, I, I'm not, I saw some people on Twitter being like, oh, Jorge's really damaged his brand. With who? With who? Uh, you know, uh, there might be people who saw some of the political stuff he had did. He was on, you know, Laura Ingram's show and he'd done various things in person. I'm sure that turned off some people, but that, Dude, most MMA fans are probably in agreement with his political position to be candid number one. And there's not enough of that. It wasn't it wasn't shameful in the way that he did it, uh, depending on your uh, your your perspective. And so, um, you know, I, I don't think it endeared necessarily a lot of hardcores. I think that's probably true. But a talking about being gooned out, that's a return to it. And B, do I buy that Jorge Masvidal damaged his brand with casuals? No, I don't buy that at even a fucking little bit. However, he does need to figure out what the right next step is, and a title shot against Kamar Usman is a pretty good option if he can secure it. Well, on this segment, Luke, we typically weigh in and judge who won the trash talk war. I mean, Jorge, got, I guess, got the better of this exchange, but what do you feel about Kamaru's comments during the post-fight press conference last Saturday where he said, Jorge won't fight me next, because essentially, like the first fight, he'll only fight me if he has a built-in excuse to lose. So what he's saying is uh, Jorge turned down attempts to make that fight originally, but accepted it last minute so he would have that built-in attempt. Uh, do, you, do, you, do you 
Do you think he's right? I mean, because look, I was critical about one thing about Jorge in that fight they had in 2020. I know he had the short camp, but I feel like he was just looking to survive down the stretch of that fight when this may have been his only opportunity, right? For all we know at that moment, that could have been his only shot at true greatness and championships. And I didn't feel like he just let his hands go and just went for it and was willing to get stopped in, in order to try to win the title. I felt almost to a small degree that what Kamara was saying was almost like there's almost a kernel of truth in that pile of shit. Do you agree? No, no, not really. Um, I do think that like, if you lose on six days notice, yeah, you're probably going to milk that fact. Why wouldn't you? You have nothing to lose. It sounds incredibly plausible. You know, oh, I had to, I took the fight on six days notice. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, you lost, but okay, it's understandable. Yeah, I do think that they exploited that to the extent possible, but I don't really, I don't fully believe, I don't think I believe at all that a guy like Jorge Masvidal, given all he's done in his career, is, you know, looking for some kind of excuse knowing that a loss is inevitable. Uh, I think he's realistic about his abilities, but I bet he believes he can win that fight too. Maybe not 10 times But do you think that hurt his brand? Since his brand is, I'll fight you in Kimbo's backyard, I'll fight Leon Edwards backstage if he talks trash after I just had a fight. His brand is, I'll fight anybody, anytime, I'm a gangster, I'll dress like uh, I'm in a movie at a press conference, you know what I mean? And then I don't feel like he just went for it. Now look, I, I don't want anybody to, to pull this quote out of context. I'm a basement keyboard warrior. I'm not getting in there and fighting, right? But for the for the the brand of who he was as like this street tough brawler, I don't know if I saw that against Kamaru. Uh, maybe not. I mean, I'm trying to think about this like in a way that's fair to both competitors. Um, I I I don't I, listen. I just don't. At the end of the day, I just don't buy the idea that Jorge thinks he's out of that contest. I don't really believe that. I'm sorry. I, maybe, again, if he fought 10 times, he might lose seven and win three. But he believes he can win the, the well, at least one of those threes on the next time that they fight. I really, really, truly believe that. And so, you know, his brand works best when he's fighting in competitive grudge matches, or at least fights that are perceived to be competitive grudge matches, right? which is why the Askren fight on paper was the one that was so good, and then the fact that he made it as, as as amazing as it was, it's partly that knockout and partly that greater story. I'm not sure how much the fans buy into that with Jorge versus Kamaru and the way that they do with Jorge versus Colby, but Colby in many ways is probably a real bad matchup for him because um, of, of his sort of takedown intensive motor that he has. So, you know, he's just trying to find the best angle to work this, but to answer the question, who had the best on, like, social media here, who got the best of the exchange... The trash talk was better from Jorge, but I have to say the trash talk from Kamaru was very I'm above this as the king of the hill, which is kind of what he should be doing to some extent. I have to say I kind of like that. All right. Thank you, Judge. Uh, Let's roll on here. Nate Diaz back in another little social dust up. Luke Leon Edwards tweeted out Friday night, quote, Nate just dribbled for an hour about wanting to fight at 170 against winners. He was referencing, of course, the Ariel Hawani interview. Let's see it then, Nate Diaz. Eight fight win streak and number three in the world. That's Leon talking about himself. Let's go if you still think you're a real one. So this was Leon Edwards quote tweeting Ariel's tweet, which was in reference to talking to Leon's manager and saying that they'd be willing on short notice to replace Hamzat, fight Masvidal, Covington, or Nate. So Nate got word of this, Luke, and he hit him with a Photoshop. Let's go to it, Manich. 
quote, and who the fuck is this? And it's a picture of Leon Edwards' face on top of Jeremy Stevens' body at that infamous press conference where Connor sent him to hell. By the way, even even the – I forget which fighter that was that got captured there. Is that Karolina Kovalkiewicz? I don't know. But even that fighter in the bottom left-hand corner of the photo was laughing. Yeah, that, that's our girl Carolina right there, Luke, okay? Um, and then Leon responded, quote, Nate, your Photoshop skills are as bad as your fight record, and you use Connor's line. What the F? Uh, emoji with a crying face. Uh, Luke, uh, A, who won this exchange? And B, are you in for Leon versus Nate on March 16th? Uh, dude, there's... The, the the problem with Edwards is not that you can't find interesting fights to put him in. You just can't realistically make any of the other fighters want to, you know, sign on the dotted line. That's why fights against, like, Cowboy and... Dude, if, like, the last couple fights you have are Cowboy and Dos Anjos and you won them, two things we know. One, you're a good-ass fighter. And two, no, nobody else would say yes. Because those guys, they're elite, but they just say yes all the time. No one who ever says no actually said yes to you. So that's the problem there. So, uh, you know, in that sense, I like Leon Edwards' chances to win. However, who won this exchange? I don't give a shit if it's Connor's line. It's great. And he kind of remixed it. Nate won this one. <laughs> Nate won this one walking away. And by the way, I, I don't believe there's any chance they fight March 16th. Not on short notice. Not on a no. UFC fight night main event. No, Nate, Nate's not doing that. All right, Luke, let's, we haven't had a Wednesday show in a while. So not only can you expect today, Luke, an overloaded fan submission segment, but we haven't had you spin the black circle in some time. Let's head on over to the Wheel of Death. If you're new to these parts, the premise of this segment is very easy. When making the rundown each week for these episodes, Luke is very, very stringent and open and honest and hating on the topics and questions he's not willing to talk about. So BC created the segment, which he's got to spin that wheel. And if he gets asked it, he must answer under good faith. So here we go, Luke. Your categories this week, 10 categories, five questions. It's all random. Our lovely Latinas. Luke hates interviews, dating war machine, brown pride, Canadian micro penises. I really, really want a Joanna helping Rhonda famous co-hosts, butt stuff. Wow. Maybe it'll be your week for that, Luke. Uh And finally eating pie, Luke, which one are you hoping for here? Which one are you hoping? Which one? Um, Butt stuff. (laughs) all right luke it's all random we're we're five years old and we should we deserve to be fired you get what you get spin that black circle luke manich please thank you all right spin that bitch we need the we need the sound oh yes i do hey luke hey luke no need to hide it anymore you hate interviews we all know it but you have, Luke, to be honest, have done a shitload of them throughout I your extensive have. combat sports journalism career. I don't want you to give me a long list. I want you to think about this and be succinct. Who have been your two or three at most favorite fighters to interview over the years and why? Um, I've had some good ones with um, Daniel Cormier. Uh, I've had some good ones with Adesanya. Um who else was like really good to talk to who was like on see like to make the claim about like why I hate doing interviews they're largely phony right 19 plus percent of what you see is just not real or if it's real it's only partly real 
Um, we're not, we're not, we're doing a performative act, uh, that looks like a conversation. That's not a conversation like this and show. So, huh? Yeah. Just like no, this I'm, show. I'm pretty honest during the show, bro. So that's the difference. It's like this show is filled with performative acting, but with real things, uh, completely anchoring it. That's not what's happening with an interview in MMA or combat sports. Not often. Uh, and so as a consequence, like there's no point in talking to these fucking guys, um, for me anyway. So I'd add that I'd add, um, I've really enjoyed talking to coaches. You know, Eugene Behrman's been a great one. Javier Mendez has been a great one. You know, he doesn't do many interviews now, but Trevor Whitman's been a great one. Uh, uh, Brandon Gibson's been a great one. I did an interview with Chael Sonnen that got a Deadspin name, one of the best pieces of sports writing that year. Ooh. Um, in 2013. Can so I Chael's ask a good you interview. your favorite female MMA interview and your favorite boxing interview? Although, by the way, Chael does a lot of acting, too. Uh, say that question again. Fa- favorite who? Female MMA fighter you loved interviewing the most and favorite boxer you've interviewed. Um, some of my favorite interviews from boxing have got to be actually Freddie Roach. Uh, Bernard Hopkins, because he'll spin a tail. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm partial to Lamont Peterson only because he's from here. Not that they were great interviews per se, but those meant a lot to All me. Right. Um, well, and then favorite female MMA fighter interview? Um I don't do a lot of them uh, to say to say that. Um, Rhonda was fun to talk to for a time. Early on, she was fun to talk to. Um, right. Yeah, that's about it. All right. Um, I, I will say I'll agree with you on Cormier. I think he's my favorite M- MMA interview, Luke, because he's funny, but he's also brutally honest. He's one of those rare guys that you can challenge him with criticisms of himself, and he'll think about it and, and be honest and respond. That's rare in a fighter, when you can straight up be like, you know, this is the criticism against you. How fair is it? And for him to look at himself, I think he's fantastic. Uh, Bernard Hopkins, definitely my favorite in boxing, even though that can go off the rails because one question becomes 45 minutes. And also Tim Bradley Jr. in boxing, freaking fantastic. Honest, the only thing funny. I'd say is I don't know if it's become his natural position or if it's just something due to his occupation. I agree that at Cormier's personal self-reflection is peerless. He's smart. He's funny. He's well-liked. I do feel like there's been a increasing amount of support for the UFC's business model over the years and how that affects fighters. And again, maybe he believes that genuinely. Maybe he doesn't. I don't really know. Um, but I didn't detect as much of that until he had kind of transitioned into this part of his career where, you know, he, for a time he was a fighter and a commentator, an analyst, and now he's just one. Again, you know, make your own judgments about how valuable that is. But um, I, I have noticed that. All right, maybe you're critical of his choice of co-hosts as well. Let's move on to the next one here, Luke. Spin number two. Come on, butt stuff, butt stuff. Hey, Brown Pride, Luke, how about that? No, Luke, this is not a question about Cain Velasquez's chest tattoo or people with brown skin. Luke, this is trivia time this week on Spin the Black Circle, and it's centered around Big Brown himself. Yes, our Showtime colleague and former UFC heavyweight, Brendan Schaub. Luke, you remember his career, right? Uh, Yeah, I actually called his second professional fight, or second or third. Really? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I have no. I would love to see, straight up, not joking around. You know how I do story time with Rashad? I'd love to see you and Brendan just relive that over a podcast one time. Yeah, anyway, yeah. another story for another day. As you guys know, Brendan Schaub, before becoming a professional comedian and podcast star, went a combined six and five in the octagon from 2009 to 2014. Luke, trivia time. Can you name five of the six fighters 
that Brendan Schaub defeated under the UFC banner. Shit. Uh, okay. I'm about to see if we can figure this out. Here we go. Ready? Uh, Crow Cop. That's ding, one. ding. Gonzaga. Correct. Uh, Mitrione. Correct. You're halfway there, Luke. I'm more than halfway there. Um, there's six, you said, right? There's six, and you need five. Yes, Luke. Yes. Uh, Chase Gormley. Yeah, wow. Look at this guy. And, yes. And um, I just remember that one because of where I was that day. But um, Oh, Chris share. Chris share. He fought him, wow. too. Wow. Yes. Luke, perfection. <laughs> five good. for five. Can you go for it? Can you go for the bonus and get the six? Can you Ooh. do it, Luke? Um, LeVar Johnson. Wow, six yes! for six. Yes. <laughs> Big Brown super fan alert over here. Fantastic fuck, fuck what job. you heard, bitches. Look at that. Look wow. at that. You, know, you thought I might be surprised. I am surprised. Wow. All well, right, hold on, can I, let's, see if I, let's see if I can name his losses. I'm not sure I can do all that. Um, Arlovsky, Those are easier, Luke, right? Hold Those on. Arlovsky. Rothwell, yeah. Brown, Noguera, Mitrione. I thought he beat Mitrione. No, he beat Noguera. Or did he beat Noguera? No, Sorry, Noguera, sent him, to Nelson. The, Noguera Nelson. sent him to the Nelson. basement floor of P.F. Chang's. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So, so, sorry, one more time. So that would be Noguera, Nelson, Roy Nelson from The Ultimate Fighter, um, Arlovsky, Brown, and what's the other one I'm missing there that I said before? I don't know. What is yeah. it? Yeah. All right. Well, it's, it was a good run, Luke. I mean, if you give me one more second here, I mean, it's not like you know, it's a Wednesday show. It's not like we have anything to talk. I said about it. I said it just a second ago. Uh, Rothwell. Rothwell. Yeah, that yeah. was the one that got gift a lot and memed. All right. Well done. Let's go to spin number three, Luke. Yes. All right. Let's see. You, you get what you get. It's all random here. Here we go, Luke. Oh shit, dude! Oh. I thought I was about to get oh. Latinas, man. Fuck. Helping Ronda. Speaking of Big Brown, right? Right? <laughs> uh, helping Ronda. Okay, Luke. Uh, former UFC champion Ronda Rousey turned 34 in February and is now four full years removed from her last UFC appearance. Let's just say, okay, let's create a fantasy scenario that tomorrow you received a phone call from one fellow Armenian MMA legend and celebrity, Edmund Tarverdian. And here's what he said. Luke. I'll share with this secret to you on the down low because we both share the same blood. Ronda wants to make an MMA comeback, but she wants to do it right, Luke. She's committing to one full year of private training before announcing this comeback. She'll make her have her first fight at age 35, but it will be in the UFC and she's coming for it. The only problem, Luke, is I only know how to teach her head movement. I don't know anything else, Luke. What do I do? So here's your question, Luke. If you had one year to help Edmund out and round out Ronda Rousey's one-dimensional MMA game, what specifically would you work on to give her her best chance of competing at Bantamweight in the UFC in 2022? Jab. The jab. I would work on her jab and then everything that comes with the jab. Because if she can safely get into distance to then get the over uh, the overhook either on the arm or the collar tie around the neck, that's what's going to put her in business for her takedowns. Uh, the problem she had in all the fights was she couldn't really corner anybody. Uh, you saw this in the um, where, where she lost anyway. She didn't really effectively corner Holly Holm, or, um, and she couldn't really do that to Amanda Nunes. 
And so because she had such a problem with that, um, she was getting countered coming in. Um, the fighters were able to roam. So the things that I mean with that are, you know, getting off the center line, uh, moving in a V for body shots, right? Getting off, uh, jabbing and circling. We saw Kamar Usman do against Gilbert Burns. And then getting in and getting out. All the things that come behind a jab. Not just the mechanics of throwing the punch, but everything else built around that. I think if you did that, you'd be in real good shape with her. Look, do you th- look? I don't think it's going to happen. And if it ever did, it, I, I'm thinking more of a one-off. But let's say this scenario was real. She would fully committed, came back a full year of training. Do you think she could end up beating most of the bantamweights out there today? Uh. Or do you think it comes down to whether or not she wants to and can take a punch? Yeah, I think it's much more the latter. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that, that hey, that's going to be one of the better, uh, better uh, cohesive duos in our in Armenian uh, MMA history if we can ever pull that off, Luke. I am crossing my fingers. All right, Luke. You have two more spins. Let's spin it. Hey, it could be could be wacky, could be personal. I hope it's uncomfortable. Here we go. Come on. Yeah! Finally, Luke. Finally, butt stuff. It is. You okay, Luke? You you good I'm, over there? I'm ready to go. Sorry, I'm All ready right. to go. So, Luke, the butt stuff is about kicking some ass, not about buggery. Where I thought you, oh. know, you probably hoped we were going. Um, Luke, we all remember what happened in early 2020, right? When Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fought for the second time. We all thought it would be an epic and competitive rematch, like the first one, where they both had dominant stretches uh, of doing what they do. It turned out to be a one-sided demolition, Luke, an ass-kicking, in a fight that has been subsequently marred to a certain degree by Wilder's excuses. But if an MMA fan asked you, Luke, what's the UFC equivalent for Wilder Fury? So look back throughout title history in the UFC. Is there any fight that had an equal level of anticipation that it would be special and competitive and two-sided between big stars, and it turned out to be a completely one-sided dud demolition. Is there a UFC equivalent to Wilder Fury 2? Oof. Um, I wonder... Uh, this doesn't quite fit. No, it doesn't really fit. But Jones... Uh, oh, Jones-Gus 2, maybe? That's Something fair. like that? Yeah. Um, but it's not... A, does it have to be at heavyweight? No. Yeah, probably that one. I mean, that was not competitive the second time even a little bit. Uh, and he got finished. What was it, in the second round, third round? Something like that. He got Third finished, round, you know, but like with ease. He got with finished with ease. ease. Yeah. Uh, and he got beat the fuck up before that. Yeah, I'd probably go with, with Jones-Gus. All right. It is rare, Luke, when, when you hype up a big fight and it's that one-sided, right? Now, now it's different if there's an early knockout, knockout. That's different. It's sort of a flash. But like a one-sided fight ass kicking we yeah. don't typically see it uh, tyron woodley kamaru usman maybe yeah but they didn't but that's you're talking about wilder fury two there was no yeah, usman yeah versus woodley one well that was but point. there's no two yeah that's a that's a fair point all right luke sometimes they're duds you never know let's spin it one <laughs> final time eating pie Oh, hair pie. Yes. Okay. 
Luke, whoever made the comparison that sex and pizza are the only two things that are still good, even when we know deep down they are really, really gross and poorly made, was genius. Because it's so true, Luke. There's no such thing as, as bad pizza, right? So forget baseball, apple pie, or tax I've evasion. Had, I've, had, I've had bad pizza. But you get this. You get what yeah, I'm trying to say. I what you mean, yeah. I'm sure you've had bad and gross sex too. Uh, forget baseball, apple pie, and tax evasion, Luke. I think the true American pastime, seriously, is eating pizza. I mean, you look back in your life, you might have eaten it four days a week at certain points. It's the meal we eat the most. And Luke, even if I know my only option is the shittiest version available, I often still go after it because sometimes it's got one redeemable quality wherever you buy it from, okay? So with that in mind, let's consider that there might be five elements that go together to make a great pizza pie. Sauce, cheese, crust, toppings, and oil slash the grease. Okay, Luke? All right? I want you to rank sauce, cheese, crust, toppings, grease in order of importance which elements are most crucial to you as a pizza consumer? Because sometimes, you know, you go to a shitty place, you're only getting one of those five, Luke, okay? Which elements in order are most crucial to a great pizza? Man, uh, that's, a gr- that's a really great question. I'm going to say, um, not that it's my favorite, but without this piece, it's just, it's just too hard to do it right. Uh, I'm going to say crust. I think you have to have the right kind of bread, and I think it needs to be cooked the right kind of way. And I think if you don't get this, even if you have the good sauce and the good cheese and the good oil, you'll still eat it. But when you have that other piece there, you can do a lot with that. You can do a lot with a really appropriately. There's this dude literally down the street. He has a 2,000-pound clay oven he makes his pizzas in. They don't even make that oven in this country. He had to fly it here from Italy. Okay, (laughs) And so you can go and order it. Shots to Minamali, who is uh, near my house. Uh Dude, the, uh, the pizza there, it doesn't have a ton of ingredients on it, and the oils are nice, and the cheese is nice, whatever, but that crust, bro, when it comes out of that clay oven, it's another it's another ball game. So I'll go Next crust, level crust is one. a game changer. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised from, you put that at number one. That's maybe your taste, but yeah, next level crust is It's a not game my favorite changer. part. If, if the pizza is done right and I'm eating it, the crust is not my favorite part. But I feel like if you don't get that right, a lot of it falls apart. I think that's my yeah, point. Yeah, no, you're right. Especially when you get that, like, you know, when you go to, like, Little Caesars or something shitty and it's, like, puffy, gross, airy. Yes. Just, it doesn't, yeah, it, you don't get the same satisfaction from eating it. Yeah. So, secondly, I'm going to go cheese. I'm going to go cheese. I really feel like um, a lot of problems can be solved with more cheese. <laughs> a lot of problems can be solved with the right cheese. It's hard to do. It's fucking hard to go wrong with bread and cheese. I mean, you got to fuck that up, really. Uh, to not have that edible. So cheese too. I will go... I'll go sauce third. I'll okay. go oil fourth. And I'll go toppings last. And now, when I say that, if a pizza is done right, the toppings might be my favorite part. But if I had to strip pieces away and just eat the other right portions, I can do without the... To- I can have a margarita pizza. Yes. I can have a cheese pizza, you know? That's fair. That's very fair. Um, I... I almost want to put the grease number one, and it's because I came up on pizza made by Greek people, which is very heavily oiled, and it's so like the kind. Look, great pizza to me is the kind that that women need to take two paper towels and just wipe the top of the slice, which to me is just like heartbreaking that somebody would do that. But I think 
great grease mixed with sauce. So sauce has to be too, because if you get a tangy sauce and you get it greasy, it doesn't matter if you're cooking with Walmart, uh, you know, ingredients, Luke, you know what I mean? It's going to be top. It's going to be great. All right. Thank you. All right. I love me some gross pizza. Okay. Thanks, Luke. That's it for the week on that, Luke. Now we hit our, our weird final weekly segment. It's fan submissions. And Luke, this one is overloaded because we took a couple. We took a Wednesday off, so buckle up. It's going to be a long journey. Thank you to all our people who hit us up at morningcombat at gmail.com with your artwork, with your pictures of photos, with whatever you got. Here we go. Bro Fidelity on Twitter sent in a picture of his little one, said, My cat Melvin Jetson awaiting. The next MK show, he loves the Have You Seen the Shit clips, but is a massive fan of the entire show. All right. Look, I love me some cats. You know this. You a big fan here of Melvin Jetson? Yeah, he looks, uh, you know, like he takes classes down by the boiler room in his high school. <laughs> yeah, he's a sh- he, he's in the metal and shop class. Yes, yeah. yes. Shout out to Melvin. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. The king uh, let's of go Homac. Over- let's go over to Act. Kate Raider on Twitter. Here's a pic, Luke, of his... I'm sorry, on Instagram. Here's a pic, Luke, of his outdoor workout setup. And on the TV, you can't see it. Maybe if we zoom in, Manich, that is a picture of morning huh. combat. Luke, right, can well, you Hold rate... on, you said the, the dude's name is Kate? Kate Raider? K, K-A-T-E Raider. Kate Raider? I don't Katie know. Katie Raider? I don't know. Cody? I don't know. Uh, well, I gotta tell you, for an outdoor gym, that's pretty fucking nice. You got, I'll tell you why, floors are covered, uh, you can press overhead and not hit the ceiling, it's wide enough, you can go in a lot of different directions, and um, it's covered so you don't get rained on, plus he's got a squat rack built into the wall, or at least the floor, he's got an adjustable bench, he's got kettlebells, a heavy bag, dude, you're cooking with gas with this motherfucker, yeah. this is a great outdoor gym. I'm going to look this guy up on Instagram. If it's a guy, he better be jacked with this right here. But I love the MK yeah, all day. Zippy, excuse, and, you, and you could attach a pull-up bar and do pull-ups. Like, dude, this is one of the better outdoor gyms I've seen. You should see my oh. shit. My shit is like a fucking circus tent. I got to set that bitch up every time and take it down every time. It sucks. All right. Uh, at Shamrock Show Pod on Twitter, he sent in this pic. He says, my dog doesn't know why I watch these donks at Morning Combat at Luke and Brian. Uh, Luke, this guy's from Connecticut, I think. I ran into him when you were and I at, were at Mohegan for the uh, Bellator announcement. I saw yeah, him could in the this, lobby. Could, look at this guy's TV. Could he have worse cable management than he has right here? I mean, you got cables <laughs> coming out like dog hair on my jacket. <laughs> Luke, uh, shout out to his dog, though, just the same. But uh, I'm ben just, asks, I'm Jose, Jose, just so everyone knows, because the fans get a little sensitive, I'm obviously joking. I'm having fun with this person. Thank you for sending the submissions. Seems like a nice guy. Maybe he was following us. I don't know, Luke. Yeah. Here's Ben S. saying, trying to start a regular series on MK with Ben's MK beers. This week, while listening to MK all day, nearly every day, shoveling the driveway in minus 6-degree weather and minus 17 with the wind chill. He must live in Texas, Luke. Uh, drinking a Phase 3 to the max triple New England IPA with his MK glass. Thank you to you guys for making it slightly less terrible. I'm into this, Luke. I'm into BC, this. BC, let me ask right? you a question. If there was an MK beer, if we got popular enough where a brewer came to us and said, we want to make MK beer, but what does MK beer taste like? What's the answer? It should be like a a badass citrusy IPA, but that's not your style. So it may have to be one of those hybrids. Luke, have you ever had a... um, 
you know how they mix IPA with with like lagers, or sometimes they mix IPA with they have Belgium IPAs where they mix the two things together. Some yeah. of those cre- concoctions actually work, Luke. Some of them do. All right. How did, how is the answer not malt liquor? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be into that. Yeah, I'd be into that for sure. Dude, can you uh, imagine how is MK beer not served in a forty ounce glass bottle? I don't I don't know the answer to that. It's not. It won't be a real 40, though, Luke. It'll just be extra MK beer. That's okay, right. uh, this is from a different Ben. He says, enjoying watching today's show between sets of deadlifts in my garage studio. I usually do the front yard lifting like Luke, but there's too much show snow here today. Love the show, guys. Ben from Leeds, England, Luke. Yes! Bro, how are you deadlifting there? <laughs> I, I think he sits on the I think he sits on the couch, Luke, and then he... Like you, yeah. You're nearly sitting in the couch doing that. Also, you know, uh, respect the respect the gamer chair. I've got one. Respect the studio. What's up with the 1984 Hulkamania set of weights there, my guy? <laughs> Time to update that shit. Uh, I like the little studio he's got there with the uh, guitars and the keyboard and the gamer chair. Nice gamer chair, Luke. Did you the see? Ga- the Conor gamer McGregor? chair is legit. The guy, the, dude, these gamer chairs, they're not cheap. They're fucking expensive. Did you see Cottonbrook? I know I, my kids wanted one. I got them a bootleg version that's like a cheap version. They wanted Dude, the real you're thing. Dude, like- you're the dad that when the PS5 comes out, you get your kids like a fully loaded PS4. That's like, not Dude, wrong. Why the fuck are you doing this? Just get the five. Dude, we don't need to be that family. Anyway, Luke, uh, did you see Conor McGregor make fun of the Nate Diaz aerial interview? Yeah, by right- which, by- I, which I thought was silly. It's like, dude, if you're going to be sitting a long time playing video games, these chairs are butt comfortable. Fucking sit in them. All right, Luke. Okay. Okay. Well, let's see. Stefan sliding in. He says, hey, Luke and Brian, one of your more recent episodes of MK, Luke mentioned how the U.S. hot dog was inferior to the Colombian hot dog. Attached is my most recent meal from Pal Rancho to prove his statement correct. It's a Colombian-style hot dog topped with potato chips, bacon, and three homemade sauces, pink, pineapple, and cilantro. Also, in the MK pint is a nice cold manzana in parentheses, apple. Yeah. BC, you will never go back to the gas station hot dogs after having one of these. All the best, Stefan. Yeah, and that one's not well put together and pretty, but I'm sure it tastes really good. Dude, I'm telling you, I was like you, BC. When someone says like they've got better things, that like food you eat on 4th of July, you just assume as Americans we do those better than everyone else, right? Like hot dogs. And to get to be clear, we do hot dogs yeah. really, really well. But I got to say, man, when I went down there, they made a big, bold claim. And I told you this. I was like, there's no fucking way you make better Fourth of July food than we do. Yeah, they I don't do. assume anybody makes anything better than the shit I eat. I just don't care, Luke. It's there. It's cheap, you know? <laughs> no, but you'll love these. We, we have a place here in D.C. that makes them. You'll love the shit when you come down. All right. Antoine R. says, quote, hope that bloody shit went well. Love you guys. Moving to Alaska, and so I had to get my desert trip beforehand and break in the new merch. Tip to tip, Antoine Roy Condren from Long Beach, California. Luke, Antoine is moving to Alaska, but before he does, he bought the green hoodie that you often wear, and this is his last pick in the Tatooine Desert. And this looks like a gentleman who may or may not have worn the MK sweatshirt when he stormed the Capitol on January 6th. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, he is looks this, a little dirtbaggery, but yeah, I love, he's the, one of is us. This, is this the Q shaman? Who is this? <laughs> By the way, everyone, I'm kidding. We're just busting chops here. 
yeah. I wish I mean, this I, gentleman. I wish this gentleman nothing but success in Alaska. We're just a- having. A Antoine's good been. He's been to a few Pantera concerts. Luke, he was good at shop class. Yeah. All right. That's great stuff. <laughs> uh, Mark slides in says, "Hey guys, love the content. Here's me and my boy enjoying some No J Friday. That's the that's the way you should be enjoying a Friday, Luke. Pretty clean room." <laughs> 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 Shout out to uh, Mark's uh, son there. There's a nice guitar in the background, Luke. Yeah, uh, uh, honestly, though, if you've ever had kids, your room will stay clean for five minutes. I mean, five seconds, five seconds. Uh, yes. If that, what do you yeah. think about his his stereo system there, Luke? There's a lot but, of be- better than mine. I'm not much of an audiophile when it comes to uh, speakers. I'm more much more of a well, like that that size. I'm much more of a, a headphone speaker kind of uh, buff. And uh, yeah, I guess it looks okay. I mean, you know. Do you think that table's is. the kind? There's been a lot of there's been a lot of white lightning done on that table before the sun was born. Yeah, probably and a lot of <laughs> you know rings of um, you know beast light cans have been left there for a little too long. All right, Anthony C is next. He says, "Hi, Luke and Brian. My name is Anthony. I'm writing to you from Chicago. Check out what my girlfriend V bought me for Valentine's Day. I've been working from home since March of 2020. I watch MK all day, nearly every day. In fact, I watch it so much she now recognizes your voices. And recently heard you guys on an MK intro talking about merch. She then surprised me with the famous comfortable as shit green MK hoodie. She also bought me a box of my favorite candy, so I can." stuff my fat stupid face keep up the great work and content guys and p.s given the recent bellator showtime announcement i signed up for showtime so i won't have to i won't have to go fuck myself in pound sand uh this guy's fantastic luke and shout out to his lady right i mean you got enough skittles there guy jesus christ but yes (laughs) that is uh that is a that this guy fucks quite literally you know, so. Well, how about his girlfriend, V? She heard our voices telling people where to get merch, and she surprised him with the green hoodie, Luke. Yeah, she's a keeper, bro. She's, I mean, you can't, you're not, look, Anthony, you ain't going to do much better. You need to figure this out right now and put yeah. a ring on that one. Please do it, please. I like the hair, though. This guy's living. I like that. All right, yeah. Drogon B sent in, quote, merch and mask, Luke. Yes. He's rocking the hoodie. He's got what the Cannibal that? Corpse uh, mask. Manich, can we zoom in on this fine American, please? I think he's American. His name's Drogon, Luke. I don't know what that is. All right. Serbian or something? Yeah, well, all right. Maybe, Maybe he was that rapper that was like Dragon, who was part of the Rough Riders crew. Maybe this is the all old right. Rough Riders. <laughs> Look, I could see you and this guy hanging in that old Marietta High. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. They call me Dragon. All right. <laughs> All right, that's enough of Drogon. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your service uh, with our merch. Alan K says, Happy Valentine's Day, BC. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, your fans are weird. They're super weird. Yeah, yeah. He's filling out the uh, the old green MK hoodie. Well done there. Is that hat? One of ours or no? I can't. Yeah, I think I think I think it is. It's a little washed out up top, but I believe that's right. Oh wow, that. That looks good on old Alan. Shot well done there, AK. Is that Alan or is that Canelo? Is Canelo wearing? Can we just say that's Canelo wearing MK gear? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's so well. Let me check his forearm for tats. All right. David A has two photos. Luke, here's his message, though. Wow, this is interesting. Hey, guys, check me out going tip to tip with former students, Emmeline. This is the first photo. And then trying a tip to tip five sum with Emmeline, Appeline, Elise, and Marie. I'm a Brit living in France in a former bar. If you look closely, you'll see I'm not Rocco, but there is a snooker cue doing the 
tip honors. And there is even a shitty poster entitled Jiu-Jitsu Knowledge Behind Us. I believe this poster, along with Mike Goldberg's expert submission analysis, made me able to display Ryan Hall-like skills in a street fight. Anyway, guys, I love the show, and I've been sent to hell every DM for donks. Have you seen this shit? Apple Podcast Review, etc. I'm stooping to a tip for tip submission. Surely that deserves a mention. P.S. I would be wearing my MK merch, but France is a long shot for ever getting that ish. Keep up the good work. If I get on the Wednesday show, I will be opening MK up to about 2,000 current and former students, so that has to be worth it. Uh, David Appleton, a.k.a. Appy... Fatathon on Instagram, the most ignored profile in MK history. P. God, this message is ridiculous. P.S. Yes, in America, if you take photos like this with your students, you get fired and go to prison. Yeah. But in France, in France, you get a promotion. So well done, David. Hey, Luke, are you down with? So here's what he's saying, Luke. He tried every avenue yeah, I mean, to get dude, on this show. This dude basically just sent us the like an HR nightmare, but it was in <laughs> France, so I guess it's okay. He tried every avenue to get his name or voice heard on this show. We shut him down at every one, so he Weinstein the crap out of these young French girls with a snooker cue between his legs. Luke, should we support this or what? I don't this, know. This, I mean, this dude is boozing with these women while what? <laughs> it's like, dude, this thing is like, who sent you this? Me too? I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Look, is this a is this an adult film? Are we on the set of what's going on here? I mean, is, yeah. I mean, can you imagine this dude's job? I mean, dude, what HR company or uh, department looks at this and goes, you know what? This man understands what we need from him as an employee. Well, uh, France is a different fr- Luke in France and in France they'll kiss fathers. Forget the lips, right on the tongue, Luke. Okay, all right. Well, why wouldn't Luck- you? It's normal. Luckily, us French Canadians have a little bit of pullback on that. Okay, yeah, but dude. Thank I'm, you, a, I, I'm, I'm at once impressed and alarmed by this photo. Well, if he could only wear our merch, he would, Luke, but you know the rules here. You need to live in one of the four four or five boroughs to be able to be eligible. Uh, Chance M sliding in, Luke. This is a marathon segment. Hey, Luke and Brian, wearing my MK t-shirt and going tip-to-tip with the new 135-pound BKFC champion, Dat Win at his restaurant, Miss Saigon, in Vero Beach, Florida. I feel fortunate to have seen him with this belt in person just a week before the photo was taken. Brian, Dat is a true grinder, like you he came to america when he was eight years old not speaking any english and he's hustled to make it the land of opportunity as he says he was a pro boxer he had a win over miguel flores before he tried his hands at bkfc i saw your interview with Britton hart and i think dat would make for a great interview as well thank you for all you do sincerely chance morrow aka the greatest mma fighter you've never seen luke is he uh dat wins manager are we getting duped here <laughs> probably dat wins manager uh, but I gotta say, that's a nice commitment from him, and that's a strange-looking belt. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, what do you think Dad's thinking when 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 Chance was like, "Do you mind touching the tip of your finger with mine while I wear this MK shirt?" You know, listen, are you gonna buy the pad thai and you know the <laughs> chicken satay? If not, get the fuck out. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, shout oh, out wait, to no, Chance. Oh wait, no, it's Vietnam. Excuse me, it's Vietnamese. So uh, the you know the ba mean sandwiches or whatever it is. Luke, if we go to South Florida ever, we should stop by Miss Saigon and Vero Beach and, and say what's up to that. You know? Yeah, once once I get vaccinated, I'm happy to go to Florida. 
Okay. All right. Maybe we'll run into this guy, Chance. He looks good in this medium, Luke. Okay. So well done, sir. Thank you for sending it in. Uh, Scott M. Rizzo is back, Luke. He says, wow, Sanhagen's flying knee really did inspire you. Hashtag the gloves are off. Hashtag art. Luke, this is a picture of you and I on top of uh, DC and, and uh, a fellow uh, Canadian's body. and with Oh, the- Jesus. With the graphic of BC and Thomas. Luke, at least I'm on DC's body with the uh, double champ there. You yeah, know? you got the two belts, man. This is bullshit. Yeah, I, do you're love, on... I do love Canada. Canada's a wonderful place. All right, all right. You're, you, uh, yeah, you kind of look like, uh, forget it. Forget, no, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Let's move on. Luke Ryan Lopez on Twitter says, MK pain and gain. <laughs> Their American dream is bigger than yours. <laughs> So I'm The Rock and you're Mark Wahlberg. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's that's, that's well done. Uh, coming to theaters or, or a gym or Luke's front yard. Dude, I gotta soon. get. I gotta get whatever asparagus uh, The Rock is eating. I need yes. to get on that asparagus. If you know what I'm saying. I mean, considering he's the biggest movie star and his new sitcom just launched on NBC, Luke, do you? Th- like he must be able to afford like the the kind of shit that you don't even have to work out, right? You just inject it and you're you just right. He's I, he's got somebody on his team who is like I'm sure you know as my, you know again all opinion that uh, you know just can do everything custom whatever he wants I'm sure he's probably on that Ben Johnson '88 Seoul Olympic stuff that stuff's fantastic Luke well yes, whatever it is right. whatever it is it's fucking working and yeah, I want damn some of right. it uh, at this potu. On Instagram has a space meme. If we can blow this up, Manich. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a picture of Luke as an astronaut uh, orbiting the Earth, and Luke says, "Wait, it's all dick jokes." And BBC is behind him with a gun pointed at him, saying, "Always has been." No, wait a second. Uh, I've got the American flag on my arm. What flag is that on your arm? Is that uh, Cuba? No, that is not. To my uh, no, it's not Cuba. Um, Cuba has the red triangle with the blue stripes. Puerto Rico has okay. the uh, the blue triangle with the red stripes. I don't know, Luke, but that's funny. Okay. All right. That's yeah, very funny. Uh, I don't know who let Richard A. in for about seven clips in a row. Let's see how many we can take. Here we go from Richard A., Luke. He's got a couple. Check out this dick joke meme. Can they blow it up? Here we go. The most interesting jokes about dicks. Okay, that's terrible. What's next? <laughs> okay, next. Next, please. It's your, by the way, it's your face on them a little bit there. These are disturbing. Uh, we've, we've seen this one before, I believe. Yep. Keep yeah, it going. Disturbing. God, Jesus. <laughs> you actually got more handsome, and I turned into an absolute bottom feeding, live under a bridge troll. Do you Just think Joe Exotic smile. is is willingly getting it done in prison, Luke? Like willingly? Probably. Okay. All right. Well, shout out to him for that. All right. Keep it going, please. Get me out of this, please. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you. Is that Medusa? Medusa? What is that, Luke? Um, Jesus Christ, dude! I look like <laughs> I look. Remember that picture that John Wall took when he showed up to summer league, and it looked like he'd yes. been on a seven day bender. <laughs> that's me yeah, right that's, here. Yeah, we are the wet bandits or the sticky bandits, Luke. Uh, keep it going, please. Uh, this is the uh, Joe Exotic's one of his many husbands, Luke. Dude, I bet you okay. have tattoos just like that. Okay. All right. If I, uh, what is this? <laughs> well, you ain't that straight. <laughs> oh, my God. 
God, that's so bad. Okay, can we end this already? Where are we at with this? Uh, here we go. This is from um, Marty. He writes, uh, BDE, the Brian Campbell story. He has blow, a movie blow it up, poster. blow it up. I want to see these uh, words. A movie to take your pants off to, ending in a preposition. He really shows his art. Hilarious and entertaining, fun for the whole family, and garbage. This is only a good movie if you're a trash panda who thinks Arby's counts as food. Who gives your dad on the mouth? <laughs> One star. <laughs> From Luke Thomas, by the way. That's all, he could have saved us all of those except this one. This one is awesome. Uh, Marty also has another one, BC's Eggs. Okay. Okay. That was just terrible. Okay. And he has another one. Can we have some, some uh, judgment here on what we've put up here? Uh, City Cockboxing, Luke. Why are you putting me in that graphic? Yeah, I put fucking BC in that graphic. No, it's you and Adesanya touching tips there, Luke. That's fantastic. Uh, day, thank you, Marty, for trying. Hopefully, uh, we should have a rule. You can't have 18 things on here. Uh, Ryan says, hey, guys, Ryan A. here from Buffalo, New York. You know, home of the world's best chicken wings in Niagara Falls. <laughs> One of the seven wonders of the world. Gotta blow it a place, up. A place where haircuts are under $100 and feces aren't smeared on our downtown government buildings. Jokes aside, here's two picks for you guys. First up is Art Art. And uh, it's a picture of me. Am I painting Coach Latore right there, Luke? <laughs> I don't know. All right. All right. And uh, his second piece of art, please. Did you hear about the BKFC and UFC co-promotion? It's sneaky good. Knuckle Mania 2, PVZ versus Ioana, uh, sponsored by RedTube. And it's got BC in a cup of noodle with a hot dog i'm so glad i'm not in this graphic can i tell you that yeah let's get that off the screen too thank you ryan for your artwork uh maybe we should limit these to uh 50 per show here's some artwork from chris h Uh, hello and welcome to the gas station hot dog and fine art expo of 2021 please see all the art attached and art yourself unconscious with all the art huge fan of the show watch every episode blah 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 chris hageman aka hagermania all right that's uh that that's that describes me now, Luke, trying to survive this segment. That that painting right there. Okay, uh, Luke is now checking his emails. Here we go. Chris H. Has, people are te- uh, people are telling me that Rush Limbaugh died. Okay, can't wait to hear your response to that. Didn't you? Weren't you guys coworkers once? No. Uh, LT, here's your art. God, I wish. I wish I had a beard like that. Jesus. Although my nipples yeah, are super puffy. What kind of roids am I on? <laughs> All right, random donk sends in this Luke Thomas meme. Oh yeah, I had the hover hand blow. Or hold on, only nerds and fucking virgins like anime. Yeah, hell yeah, I kept the hover hand. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I'm not trying to get in trouble. I'm not trying to get in any trouble. I try to live my life on the street. I, I obey laws by and large, anyway. And you know, and certainly just rules and customs, BC. That's an easy I way mean- to keep yourself out of trouble. In 2021, you need the hover hand. What do these people want from you? Okay, Listen, Julius it's an easy H. way to get in and get out and not play a whole lot of games. Fuck all that. Yep. Uh, Julius H. says, please tell Luke to unblock me on Twitter. I've been blocked so long, I don't even remember why. Huge fan of MK. I even have an MK sweatshirt. I'm no longer a Donk Donkerson or Rick Rickerson. Just a humble fan. Luke, his Twitter handle is at Hodges Julius. Can you unblock this fella? Because he bought merch, I probably will. But I just want to point out, a lot of times people are like, they'll say two things. Like, one, like, I got blocked for no reason. It's like, first of all, I'll be the judge of that. And second of all, it's like, oh, you don't remember why you blocked me? It's like, dude, I don't know who you are. 
I block enough people that you are, you know, merely me filtering my fish tank. You know, I don't know what microbes I'm getting and which ones I'm not. It's not that serious a uh, relationship. So, uh, right, but he Julius bought the switch. Like, so I'll probably do it. Julius looking like an OG with this on. I love it. I love it right there. Shout out to him. I hope he does get unblocked for his sake. All right, Alan W has five, five. Who are, what are we, we doing like five? here? This is a little, a little much. Although uh, I like the room one. service diaries meme. This is day one, Luke. It's me on the bed dressed like Joanna holding a 40 and you with a bag of Taco Bell. And also, <laughs> don't forget the Van Gogh self-portrait in the back. Yes, as pronounced Van, Van Gogh. Gogh. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Uh, meme number two from Alan is BC on the Happy Gilmore cover saying, Morning Combat's Happy Campbell. Uh, he doesn't eat hot dogs. He destroys them. Yeah, you're a you're a gross piece of shit. Yes. <laughs> All right, Alan. Let's see what else you got here. Here's a morning combat meme. BC makes it easy. I can I go now? I gotta take a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean this one's a little on the simple side, BC, but there is truth in advertising. Uh, number five from no number four from Alan as a Bob Barker inspired meme. I'm Bob Barker and I'm alive, bitch. Did I say he was dead? Yes, you did. That was, that. <laughs> in fact, this is what started. Actually, it was Jay. No, let's say it right. It was Jay who slid in and was like, "Yeah, Bob Barker's been dead for a while." When, uh, when he's still alive. So shout out to Bob Barker there. Uh, Alan closes with a play on the old wrestling video game. Okay. Uh... It looks a little bit more like boxing to me. Luke dressed like Marvin Hagler wearing the war hat. Marvelous no, Luke I'm Thomas. dressed like fucking Jake Paul. I look like a dumbass. <laughs> and me dressed like Thomas Hearns with Emmanuel Stewart in my corner, flipping you off, Brian the Hitman Campbell. Okay, well done. Uh, Tyler K here. We're almost done here, Luke, with a uh, LT-inspired Wolfman meme. When the Latino booty, booty is full, the legend comes to life. So true, Luke. So true. Truer words have never been spoken. Uh, Todd M has a Van Gogh for us. A Van Gogh, dude. We All look right, like a- we, we look like the two members who got kicked out of Mumford and Sons. Jesus yeah, Christ! Or, this or, is the, or the or the two guys not named Jay from No Escape. Yeah, that's 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 for sure, Luke. This is great. Only we look like them now. We look like them now. Okay. Right. Right. Uh, Ryan T says, "I found that this movie goes well with packaged eggs and gas station chili dogs." <laughs> Meet the fuckos. <laughs> Toe the line. I love it. Uh, star, it's starring Britton Hart, Brian Campbell, Luke Thomas, and Paige Van Zant. That is. Uh, can you zoom in on that? Is that Dana? Sort of, I guess. I'm not sure. Again, I. And there's a look, there, the, there's a quote at the bottom from Applesauce Fuckface McGee, Luke. <laughs> uh, oh, that's hilarious. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. not bad. All right, all right. I think we're petering out here, Luke. Okay, we're gonna have to limit these to anything yeah, under. We can't. This is too many. Week. This is too many. All right, uh, let's keep it going here. Tyler K. Luke Thomas as the Steve Martin, the jerk. He was a rich diplomat's son. Now he's a forty-one-year-old loser, drunk in a ditch somewhere. <laughs> Lizard person Thomas in the jerk, a rags, a riches to rags story. Rag story. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I feel like that's my future. So thanks. Three more, Luke. We're almost there. Uh, here's Steve B with an LT meme. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you you acknowledging BC's humor gets a three second uh, reaction, but you explaining Ronaldo versus Ronaldo gets twelve hours nine First minutes of all, and forty. I seconds. laugh heartily at your jokes. Number one and number two, if you whores would stop bringing up this stupid topic, I'm happy to not talk about it. All right, Scott D has a Luke Thornburg entry. Uh oh. By the way, when you say Africa. <laughs> Hey, listen, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It's a diverse country. Or continent, excuse me. It's a diverse continent. Lots of different Finally, Luke, we crawl to the finish line here from Matt S. Uh, Dana White acknowledging that you and I make it look easy. Light heavyweight tournament? Make sure we re-air CM Punk versus Mike Jackson the same night. So it's a picture of uh, Dana standing over the shoulder of a UFC editor. And they have on the screen, Luke, you and I hosting from the Bellator desk, the Bellator MMA tournament bracket on the other screen. And on the laptop is our live morning combat show from uh, the day before. So uh, Nice. That... Will will Dana counter promote this at all, Luke? No, right? It's on Fridays. It's going to be hard to do that. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Luke. Oh, Luke, we made it. We made it to the end. I don't want to discount the efforts of our fine fans, although some of that was ish. But uh, yeah, Luke. Oh God. Yeah. Well, BC, you did a great job. Yeah, we need a we need a little bit more quality control from Mikey. You know what I'm saying? You need to get a little more stepping up to the plate. He's watching now. He's going to be pissed that we said it, but that's okay. Uh, all right. So a couple of things here. Thumbs up on the video. Hit subscribe. The live chat is tomorrow. That'll be at 3 p.m. If you want to uh, get in anything for Friday's uh, show, Dead Wrong, or any fan submission, you can see all of the stuff below there for social media, um, you know, for Instagram and Twitter and everything else like that. But we're at uh, f- uh, morningcombat at gmail.com is the email. That's the place to go to to get anything in for dead wrong, anything in for fan submissions, anything that you want to contact the show about, morningcombat at gmail.com. If you want to try Showtime, you certainly can. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. And if you sign up now, I believe it's $4.99 for the first six months of your subscription. And, uh, yeah, we got merch. He's got the hat on. I've got the glass. I've got the sweatshirt. You saw it in the segment there. You can go to store.show.com to get all of that bc any final thoughts here before we wish and bid the audience adieu uh don't send us any more fan submissions for a long time all right yeah (laughs) no send them to us just maybe limit them in number a little bit okay all right for malka cbs sports and showtime that's brian campbell i'm luke thomas until next time may all of your gains be loyal